This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to you. We'll see you in hell. It's James Gandolfini. It's your favorite podcast with the horror movies and the sci-fi flicks. I actually do a decent James Gandolfini. Well, then do it. I've just been watching this. Come it's in rat. with it. I don't, it's disrespectful as well. I never it said it was good. I just like doing it. All right. Do yours. Well, no, I, I can't. I can't with pressure. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I can't with pressure. Sounds like when we were in bed last night, folks. <laughs> this happens to all the guys. I said it's never happened to me before. <laughs> uh, folks, welcome. Hello, we're here talking about Annihilation, the new Alex Garland picture, uh, starring Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaacs. Um, an interesting picture that I think we're going to have a lot to talk about tonight. Oh, yeah. I got a lot to say. But first, let's get on with the show and also on with the... <laughs> Joan Lee <laughs> can make how this world seem bright. Joan Lee <laughs> almost didn't have one there. Talk about not being able to perform under pressure. I mean, look, Jesus Christ. Look, do you know what it's like people to have to perform? Once a week on a podcast. <laughs> that was like a that was like a movie scene where the guy, you know, they zoom in. The I'm politician is doing his speech and sees his yeah. dead wife standing <laughs> in the back or whatever. It's like know? a quiz show in tight on my face. Yeah. Sweating it up. Um, but I got it. You did. You, you don't have to focus on the negative. You could choose to focus on the positive that I got it. Um, speaking of politicians with dead lovers. Oh, I was referencing Chappaquiddick. I was referencing a No, no, I was referencing a. Is film. that what Chappaquiddick's about? It's about the Ted Kennedy scandal. That's what that's about, right? Yeah, starring, starring, top billing, Jason, whatever his name is, Schwartzman. No, Siegel. No, the guy from fucking from Friday Thirteenth. No, the guy from fucking Lightman. Uh. uh Kadrowski, my friend from sixth grade who fell off the roof while the throwing a bottle rocket Winchester. at his Oh, Jason Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Top billing. Uh, has the man ever been in a successful <laughs> film? He was in Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. Uh, All I know from is Terminator Genesis. Yeah. Playing a John Connor that looked way too much like my friend John Horowitz. He didn't know that. Uh, he was the star of Brotherhood, the Showtime original drama that I love. Okay, so that was 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, and He's, He was the star of Winchester. Terrible movie that bombed. Yeah. Look, I didn't know we were going to be beating up on Jason Clark. I'm not I? hating on the guy. I'm just saying it's. it's I don't understand how certain people get these breaks. Sure. Where it's like. They ran Chris Elliott out of show business because yeah. Get a Life wasn't a smash success TV show. They gave him Cabin Boy, too. You know? Oh, Cabin Boy. Which is a hilarious movie. But I mean, for Christ's sakes, you didn't hear from the guy for 20 fucking years. Right. Jason Clark can do whatever he wants, <laughs> and he gets top billing in Chappaquiddick. Uh, who else is like that? There was somebody else we were talking about recently. Oh, tons of people. We're just like, what has this guy done that's successful? People can hang around in this business forever without ever really doing anything of note. Well, anyway. That How is... many chances they give Sam Worthington? Uh, 
But Hundreds? he was at least in things that made money. He was an avatar, but it wasn't like that was a. That's that's the mistake they made. Everyone was rushing to this because of Worthington. He was an avatar. He was in Clash of the Titans, which made enough money that they made a sequel. Didn't see it. Uh, called Wrath of the Titans. Okay. And I was positive there'd be a third film called War of the Titans, and there never never happened. Probably because the first two stunk. Yeah, I, I didn't see him. I but saw the, the original with Harry Ham one. The original is a masterpiece, in my yeah. opinion. It's it's a be- it's a beautiful film. Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, Ray Harryhausen, uh, Burgess Meredith. Uh, uh, what's his face? The guy, you know, the guy, the guy, uh, Olivia, oh, Lawrence Olivier. Sure. Uh, what a what a tremendous piece of film that is. Love it. Yeah. Made with care. Made yeah. with love. Um. <clears throat> anyway, chap, I was referencing when I said the politician with the dead lover. Sharky's machine. Right. That's a scene in Sharky's Machine, a Burt Reynolds vehicle that stars him and was directed by him. And the reason I'm referencing Sharky's Machine is because Pat and I, and this is what we teased on the last episode, last Saturday night, spent our night in the Egyptian theater on Hollywood Boulevard. Great theater. Especially especially while the New Beverly's uh, getting renovated. Go check it out if you're in L.A. Watching not one, but three Burt Reynolds films, Smokey and the Bandit, Hooper, and then Sharky's Machine. And folks, when you thought it couldn't get better, it does. Burt Reynolds was there and did a Q&A after Smokey and the Bandit. That, If you said to me, what's your best case scenario for Burt Reynolds' event? I'd say Smokey and the Bandit, and then he comes out after. And yeah. that's what happened. And uh, it was fucking great. Yeah, he was uh, very funny. He was kind of hitting on every woman that asked a question, which was... No, he was not... He was. What are you talking about? He had a couple like, how you, how you doing, honey? Well, I'd love. He, oh no, he did not. He had some creepisms. Pat, Pat that's a lie. But I'm saying that's everyone, a lie. Everyone laughed and enjoyed that, it. That never happened, though. You, that never happened. What you just said did not happen he once. He made several references about like ladies, the ladies in the movies. He did, <laughs> and, in, and in life. I don't. I thought it was charming and funny. Nothing. Nothing sketchy. I just noticed he'd be like, you know, the lady was like, I just wanted to say I love you, Burt Reynolds. You are a dreamboat. You are the best movie yeah, and star. And then he'd whatever. be like, and he'd be like, I love you too. Yeah, or, or he'd be like, uh, what was your name again? Or But he'd put a little, I liked it. He right. still had a little sex left in him, and I liked that. <laughs> I wasn't saying he was tweaking All nipples right. or something. I, see, I got you. There's still some engine under the hood. Yeah, the toupee looks good. He's not walking great, but he was funny. And he made fun of the fact that he can't walk great. Yeah. Because uh, he said it was because of all his previous stunts. And he goes, I don't walk with this thing because it looks good. Right. Uh, Smokey and the Bandit, terrific. Had never seen it on the big screen. Very I funny had, picture. I had never seen it on the big screen either. It is one of my favorite films uh, of all time. It's not in my top 10, but it's, it's, it's up there for me. Uh, I love the movie. Seeing that on the big screen and the crowd... With a crowd that was of six hundred people that was so excited, people were applauding during Smokey and the Bandit, like the way people do at Star Wars screenings. Like yep. Jackie Gleason's name comes on in the credits, people are erupting, yep. cheering when Sally Field comes into it. Like people, the Jerry Reed song starts playing, people are fucking hooting and hollering. It was awesome, man. It was fucking awesome, and the movie killed. It did. Uh, I laughed so hard at one point I was crying. Yeah, I mean, I had I had been there for nine to five pretty recently, and I, I was impressed by the laughs it got, you know, 30, 40 years later. But Smoking the Bandit played just like a standard uh, big comedy coming out. Every joke was hitting. Then yeah. Hooper, yeah, nothing to sneeze at either. It was a very entertaining picture about, about a stuntman. Very Kind of simple movie, not much going on in it. No, a lot of bar brawling. Bar brawls, a lot of scenes that are really just time killers, but very charming. It's Sally Field given nothing at all to do. (laughs) Burr Reynolds and his team are all fun. Sally Field literally like will disappear for 30 minutes and then walk in and be like, when are you going to quit being a stunt man? (laughs) And Bert's like, never, baby. And she's like, <laughs> and that happens six times in the movie. Uh, Brian Keith of Bonanza, I believe that's his name, of Bonanza fame. Yeah. Or Keith Brian, whatever his name is, 
gives a pretty stellar performance in Hooper. Uh, the guy that plays Roscoe Pico Train in uh, 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 Dukes of Hazard gives a nice performance in the film. Wait, which one was the the older guy that was drinking out of the bottle at Jack? That's Brian Keith or okay, well, Brian think, Keith's also in our next picture Sharky's yeah Machine. he's also in Sharky's Machine playing essentially <laughs> the same character that yeah. they just shift over yeah but he's he's good at playing that character he's very yeah. enjoyable uh, and then a young Jan Michael Vincent in Hooper <laughs> yes uh, which Pat was unfamiliar with Jan Michael Vincent and I was explaining I've always heard the name always heard it used as a punchline and I did not know what he looked like until tonight I was explaining to Pat the tragedy of he, he's not missing a leg. He had to have a leg oh. amputated from in in inject. I believe from injecting heroin. Okay. Um. Uh. Not he was in ideal. a he was several DUIs and car wrecks. Uh. One of them was so bad that he now is when he talks like if he ever gets interviewed, which is rare, they have to put subtitles up because you can't understand him because his voice is so gravelly. Uh. I don't know that we needed the which is rare on top of everything else. Well, he's, as he said in a recent interview, I'm just laying low. <laughs> That's what okay. he said. You really follow the career of John. Well, I, I, it's a tragic story. Uh, and, you know, you see him in that film. He's like in perfect shape. He's a right. fucking beautiful looking man. And, you know, he's got the world by the tail. He went to the restroom on more than one occasion. For, <laughs> I would say a, a, a inappropriate amount of time. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd jump up and go, I got another phone call I got to take. <laughs> um, but, you know, he had the world by the tail. Uh, you know, his, you know, one of his first things he ever does is he's co-starring with Burt Reynolds at the top of Burt Reynolds' career. Right. And then, you know, it, it's tragic. He was in the TV show Airwolf. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, Hooper, a lot of fun. Yeah, an underrated uh, flick. Yeah, there's it. a great there's a great bar fight scene with Terry Bradshaw. Yes. Uh where Terry Bradshaw says that Burt Reynolds is talking too loud over his songs that he played and he has to give him 50 cents. And they lean into the fight. The fight ends with f- not one but I believe five different men being thrown through the same window. Yeah. <laughs> out onto the trash pile outside and then they just get up and they're like, "The night's young, let's keep drinking." <laughs> And uh, this was about a week into Pat and my uh, dry spell. I, I turned to him halfway through the film. I said, no movie has ever made me want to drink yeah. more. Every scene, they'd like walk through drinking from a <laughs> bottle of Jack Daniels, <laughs> sit down, but talk about how much they love the sweet, smooth taste of bourbon. <laughs> and they jump a car over like a ravine. Yeah. And yeah, it's goddamn business. Woo, I love it, man. <laughs> yeah, there was that scene where there were 24 cans of beer set up like a pyramid and they were drinking and driving, which also looked very fun. Yeah, yeah. There's a scene where they are. This is how much times have changed. Jan Michael Vincent and Burt Reynolds are sitting on a parked car at the beach. Yeah. As Pat said, a pyramid of beer cans to each of them. Two separate pyramids that they've both built right. from the beers they've drank. Cop comes up. All he says is, just don't go driving right now. Yeah. The million open containers are fine. The public drunkenness is fine. Just don't drive. Jan Michael Vincent then proceeds to call the cop old man and sweetheart like four times. Right. And then they drive past the cop drinking beers, hanging out the window. I think giving him the <laughs> finger. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's the 70s. So it's like as soon as you're out of the cop's sights, you're 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 clear. Right. He hits his hat <laughs> on the steering wheel and goes, oh, <laughs> Uh, it was a good picture. I thought that uh, for the first 30 seconds of that barroom scene, I thought that Terry Bradshaw was Dauber from Coach. Uh, and then I was like, it's Bradshaw. It took me a minute. He looks, Dauber looks like a Bradshaw, yeah. a young Bradshaw. I can't imagine Bradshaw wasn't brought in to test for the role, and I can't imagine he wouldn't have been better at it. Maybe he, would, maybe he had a big uh, broadcast. For Dauber? I, don't you he feel like for Dauber they wanted Terry Bradshaw? No, he was too old. Was Dauber a current player on the team? No, but he was like a, a more recent player. Well, they could have aged him up. No, I, I think that would have... Da- it would have fucked Bradshaw up the, was the coach's coach age. He was the same age as coach. It wouldn't have made any sense. <laughs> All right. You got, you, got, you got a guy older than coach being like, hey, coach, listen. I don't, I don't remember the specifics <laughs> of coach. And honestly, I'm proud of that. Wasn't that show supposed to come back? They started shooting it and shut it down. 
They shut it down. They start. They start. That was really hard to say. They started shooting it and shut it down. Yeah. Why'd they shut it down? It's it, it's something that happens. I mean, uh, they'll be shooting something and be like, "This is not gonna ever make it to air. This is bad," and they pull the plug. Oh, jeez. I, I would have liked to. I've seen had it. friends who've had shows like that. They'll they'll shoot four or five, and then they're like, "Yeah, no, we're just we're willing to throw away, you know, twenty million dollars." <laughs> yeah. Is how bad we think the show is. It's. I'm sure it's not fun. Uh, or you know, doesn't even mean it's bad. Maybe they don't like it. You, know, you uh, don't know, people. The third film in this in that night, Sharky's Machine. Surprisingly, they didn't stick with the Hal Needham, Burt Reynolds theme, uh, and show Cannonball Run, right? Or Stroker Ace, right? Um, but I, I can only assume it was some sort of a rights issue or something. Because, uh, I mean, the Cannonball Run was the no-brainer. It's like, how was the third movie, not the other car uh, Burt Reynolds movie that Hal Needham directed also? like, But uh, but uh, it was Sharky's Machine, which took a dark turn in the evening. Because that's a much heavier film. Yeah, I was happy to have something a little more weighty at that point in the night. Still had plenty of Reynolds, like gags and gaffes in it yeah i mean it's weird because both Smokey and the bandit and hooper are movies that were kind of like dismissed upon the time of their release well Smokey wasn't Smokey was the biggest film of the year next to star wars critics hate it that's what i'm saying no it got very good reviews not Smokey and the Bandit. watch the documentary got very good reviews i watched the documentary i don't recall that all right talked about how shit everybody shat on it agree to disagree but they knew that the the people would want to see it okay that was the story of Smokey and the Bandit. i thought um and sharky's machine had rave reviews and i've seen tarantino talk about sharky's machine he used the song street life from it in jackie brown so i've always heard about this movie i never saw it available to rent anywhere but very like critically acclaimed movie for me it was the weakest of the three i agree it was my least favorite of the three but it was also such a tonal shift it was hard to kind of put it up against the other two right you know you got a movie about like beer drinking and car racing and then all of a sudden you're into this prostitution ring and people are being murdered and right there's a scene where a woman literally has her face blown off and they show the body with no face yeah so you're it's much more graphic material but reynolds had his whole crew in there he had charles Durning. Durning and and brian keith and uh uh, the guy from Mod Squad. Yeah, the guy from Mod Squad. Uh, what's no, his, nobody was trying too hard in this movie. Uh, which, what's what's that guy's name? What's his Bernie face? Casey? Bernie Casey and uh, the uh, Richard Libertini. Yeah, his friend who died and they never mentioned again. Yeah, uh, Burt Reynolds did say during the Q and A. Somebody asked about Charles Durning, and he said there was nobody better as an actor. He was the best that ever lived. We'll never have another one. And somebody also said, how do you direct Dom DeLuise in a scene? And he said, quite simply, you don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which leads us yeah. to Pat's Movie Corner, because I have a segue here. Well, we'll be quick, because we just talked about several. Uh, but I saw, I watched off of the piggybacking off of the Reynolds stuff. Yeah. One of my favorite films that is in my top ten, okay. uh, Fatso. I rewatched Fatso. I had borrowed it from you and watched it as well, and loved it. Uh, I love the film. It's it was a joy to rewatch. I can't understand how Dom DeLuise wasn't nominated for an Oscar. He he's brilliant in it. It's hilarious, and I can't understand why the hell Anne Bancroft never made another movie after that. She wrote and directed this thing. She acts in it. She hits a fucking grand slam on all three fronts. Uh, and look, no, I love Mel Brooks. I'm a huge fan. She was married to Mel Brooks. This movie's better than any Mel Brooks movie ever. Mel Brooks made 87 goddamn movies. She made one movie. It's a fucking masterpiece. And that was it. Well, I certainly disagree that it's better than any of Mel Brooks movies. But name one Mel Brooks movie that's better than that. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. Oh, stop. Blazing Saddles. Absolutely. Listen, I love Blazing Saddles. It doesn't have the heart that fucking Fatso has. It doesn't have the drama. To. We're just asking which is better. Fatso is better. Fatso is a better film. All right. It's better constructed. All right. Uh, 
I'll argue this till the day I die, because I'm not a sexist like you are that thinks just because a man did it, it's better. <laughs> no, I liked Fatso quite a bit. I thought, you know, there were some things that were not a grand slam for me in Fatso. And Bancroft's performance, actually, it was a little much for me. No, and that's... some of the fantasy-type sequences were a little... There are no fantasy-type sequences. <laughs> Am I remembering it wrong? What the hell are you talking about? Aren't there? There's a few. There's a few like broader moments in it that did not work. No, me. there are not any fantasy sequences. There's something. I'll, I'll think of it. Uh, you just watched it, so you. Know. Anne Bancroft's performance is pitch perfect. I grew up in a family like that, and she nails that type of woman at that time period right. in that type of family. All right. Look, I like it. Just the movie, makes me Joe. when you talk out of your ass, it makes me upset. I That's like, all. This is a movie that's important to you when you were a child that. Seeing it with with cold new eyes, no, it's, I didn't, it's not I, the masterpiece. I saw it in my the first time when I was thirty years old. It's a masterpiece. All right, I love it. It's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. It's an excellent movie. Yeah, go ahead. Tina Fey's favorite film, by the way. I didn't know that. Yeah, my friend Max Brooks, their son. Yeah, he told me that personally. Okay. Got a real chip on your shoulder about this movie. Uh, I think she should have made more movies. I don't understand. You know. Well, she probably didn't want to. I mean, the movie. Well, no, was... that's what I. That's what I think. I, I. I get the feeling that she maybe just like I got it out of my system. I wanted to yeah. do it, and I did it, and that's it. She might have been very happy to not do it again. But it's a shame she didn't make more movies. I concur. All right, concur. Uh, I watched on Amazon Prime The Handmaiden, which I believe was nominated for Best Foreign Film last year. Mm-hmm. It is by the guy who did Old Boy, Chow Woon Park, I hope. Okay. Is that correct? I'm going to look up his actual name. You can't just guess at something like that. Um, Fun fact last week that I meant to mention, by the way, uh, it was directed by Brian Taylor, who did Crank, Mom and Dad. Oh, yes. Yeah, I guess he split up with his partner, but uh, I love the way their movies look. They're and his very partner exciting, is doing movies. what now? Neville Dean? I don't know. Oh, I'm thinking of how the Hughes brothers do separate stuff now. Oh, okay. One guy is doing the Tupac Biggie thing. I don't know what the other one is doing. I know uh, Brian Taylor did Mom and Dad. He did a great job directing it. Yes, and it had that crank vibe to it. Yes. Handmaiden is directed by Park Chan-wook. I think if I didn't have it, I was at least close. I'm sorry. But he did Old Boy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Lady Vengeance, blah, blah, blah. What's the film about? Have you seen Old Boy? Uh, no, I, I'm not a big fan of those types of films where it's a lot of like... Where they're awesome? I, I, I don't need to see a film where the guy takes a pill at the end so he can fuck his daughter again without remembering it. Isn't that Old Boy? Isn't that how Old Boy ends? Mm, you should really watch Old Boy. No, isn't that the end, though? No. Isn't there some incestuous relationship in Old Boy? Do you want to know or do you want to see like an amazing movie? Somebody told me the whole plot once and the incest factor. I was like, I don't want to see it. Why would someone explain the whole plot of Old Boy? Because I probably said pleasure to see it for the first time. All right. Yeah. He's like fucking his daughter or some shit at the end of it. There's some things in there that are are for adult audiences, Joe. Yes. Um, I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing. And if that's the kind of sick shit you like. Then have at it. Now, did they keep that in the Josh Brolin, Spike Lee version? They did. That movie sucked. I love Spike Lee. He was the wrong man for the job on that one. But well, how uh, was Brolin in it? Brolin usually is pretty good. I didn't like Brolin. I, I didn't like the whole movie. I, th- I didn't like anything about it. Okay. Um, which sucks because I love Spike Lee <laughs> and I hope they, they bring him back to Hollywood at some point soon. He's directing something like major coming out. Good. He's doing I'm something glad. like big. I can't remember what it is. Good. I mean, he he he's at a point now where he needs a little structure, support from somebody above. I mean, the, his movies that he's making for himself lately are kind of for himself alone. Your, uh, your Shyrock, your your Sweet Blood of Dracula, or whatever that was called. I try the, the Sweet Blood of Jesus. I tried Jesus. to get through that one. That's a wild film, man. Yeah, I mean, they were just like <laughs> they had no. 
appeal really you know they they were just like kind of painful to watch to me well once i realized everybody was talking in rhymes and poems in chirac that's right it, it took me i couldn't that uh, was it right. i couldn't i couldn't not think about that anymore but the man's made 10 classics malcolm x one of the greatest films Incredible. ever made anyway the you want to say blazing saddles is better than that too no i that's not <laughs> what we're talking about <laughs> the handmaiden uh it's about two and a half hours, maybe more. That's why I had put it off forever. I heard it was great a year or two ago and didn't watch it. But it was sitting there last night. Just an amazing story. Incredibly well told. If you're a fan of Old Boy, as I'm sure many of our listeners are, I don't think we've ever talked about it on here. It's not as violent, you know, but it's uh, it's as great a story. So, like, basically, it is a guy who says, I'm going to marry this woman, put her in a mental hospital, and take her fortune. He needs a maid. He hires this maid to help him, a handmaiden, to get in there first. They're like auditioning for a new maid. So you go in and start talking me up. Okay. Like, oh, I, you know, I came from it. He he thinks you're beautiful. He thinks you're beautiful. Then when when he shows up, the work's been done. She's laid all the groundwork. The two of them hook up. He throws her in an insane asylum, takes her money, splits it with the handmaiden, and they leave. That's the plan. That's already these. This is too. It's too much for me. No, but the it's so clear. Like the fact that I can just calmly explain it when I I sometimes have trouble with the details of movies after I've no. Seen I'm not them. saying too much. Like confusing. I'm saying it's too sad. Like these movies are too. A lot of these. Oh, no. you get you got to watch this fucking. A lot movie. of the Asian thrillers are just too dark for me. I can't do it. They're real dark, but this I thought was a pretty powerful love story in the end. Uh, and I don't call a lot of things a powerful love story. Would you refer to this as a powerful? I would, and Thank you. it's also no this me and you. Oh, me and you. <laughs> yeah, well, you could have gestured to us. Sorry. Um. There's a lot of really, really hot sex in it. To tell you more about that would be a spoiler, oddly enough. All right, Daddy, I'm listening. But and it's in three parts. So if the if the running time is daunting to you, you could space it out over three nights. I thought that's what I was planning to do, but I was so fucking hooked on this story, I watched the whole three hours. I can't recommend it enough. It's just an awesome story. It looks amazing. It's very like exciting. It's got a feel of like a drama Kill Bill, like not the action. Okay. But it's got that feeling as opposed to like an audition feeling, like what you're describing, where it's kind of wallowing in depravity kind of thing. Okay. It's not like that. Yeah. Great, great movie. Uh, all right. Well, um, I don't know if I have anything else for... Uh, I'm just checking my phone here. I think I saw something else. Give me one second. Oh. Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps. Uh, Never seen it. I own it. Never seen it. You know, classic 80s horror. Hell of a lot of fun. Stars uh, the kid that plays Rusty in the second in European Vacation. Mm. I wouldn't know who that is. Uh, It stars him and Tom. What's his face? The guy that plays the cop in. uh, He plays the cop in uh, Halloween 3 and he plays the dad in Creepshow. It utters my favorite line probably ever in horror movie history that Pinkstone and I say constantly to one another. That's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. He says that as he puts his feet up and sips his beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, he usually plays a kind of a darker personality. He, this film is no exception, but he, uh, you know, he is heroic uh, in the movie as well, which is nice to see. Um, it's just fun. It's just a fun, kind of gross-out 80s horror comedy. Uh, It was written by the guy, uh, Fred Decker, who went on and wrote The Monster Squad. Love it. After this, he co-wrote the new Predator movie that's about to come out with Shane Black. I feel like that's supposed to have been about to come out for a very long time. Uh, Yeah, typical reshoot shit, whatever. All right. But anyway, Fred Decker does some great stuff, and uh, it's it's really just a Decker. hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> Heck, I don't even know her, folks. <laughs> so check that out if you like that sort of thing. 
yeah, I own it. I'll, I'll open it and watch it. Yeah, it's about alien worms that get inside corpses and turn them into zombies. I mean, it's, you know, it's just fun 80s, gross romp, whatever. Do you remember The Stuff with Garrett Morris? Yes. I like The Stuff. It's not a great movie. Well, with Garrett Morris, with Paul Sorvino. Yeah, that's right. Uh, not a great film, but it's fun. I, uh, I remember being very scared of it as a kid, but it's not scary at all when I saw it on uh, Cinemax the other night. Uh, folks, I guess we're ready to talk about the picture at hand, and there's much to talk about with Annihilation. It is the follow-up for Alex Garland to the much-beloved, by myself included, Ex Machina. I love that movie. Um, and he was clearly given, you know... As always happens when when you get a big... Here's what happens nowadays when you have a big indie hit like Ex Mahina. You either go the Marvel route immediately, which I'm sure he was offered, or you do your big personal project that you've been wanting to get the funding for forever. Sometimes that pays off. Start your career off right. Sometimes it pisses a lot of people off. Annihilation has been doing both. And uh, at the theater where I saw it, a lot of the arguments I was hearing, people had very, very different opinions on this movie, which can often be the sign of a movie that sticks around, that people are talking about for a long time. Um, I thought the movie was suspenseful, very entertaining, starting to lose me near the end, and then kind of lost me until I started thinking about what it all meant. And I have a take on it that I like, and I think the movie is kind of open to interpretation. Well, in the end, I I come away from it liking it. I would be hesitant to recommend it to a certain kind of person who needs a linear storytelling. Um, But I I liked it. Well, Pat, I give this film two glistening hogs down. Wow. Uh, I, I thought it was terrible. I thought it was a completely masturbatory film. I thought it was fucking pointless. Uh, I thought that, first of all, Ex Machia, Ex Machina, some, ex of the, some of the best special effects I literally have ever seen ever in a movie. You believe you're looking at a woman who is whose body is like part circuit board and whatever. And this film, these effects would go from fine to pretty good to horrific. Like there were scenes where I was, first of all, let's start with the plot of the film. It's about, it's about a government area folks called the shimmer. Well, no, that's what's in the government area. The government area itself is called area X. Right. We're already off to a bad start. Uh-huh. Inside Area X is this uh, freak of nature occurrence that's happened where there's a glistening wall called the Shimmer, which is, and I know he didn't write this. It was based on a book. That's one of the dumbest. He did fucking- write the movie, and he changed a bunch from the book. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's called the Shimmer in the book, but the Shimmer is one of the dumbest names I've ever heard for anything ever in my life. Okay. And the whole plot is, is... There are these these this team of all women, and I only point out that they're all women because in the movie they go out of their way to say, huh, the team's all women. Natalie Portman actually says that sentence, yet it has no significance whatsoever. There's never a point where you go, oh, that's why they were all women this t- this t- on this expedition, or or that's why she pointed that out. They never point that out. She just says it, and it sits there, and that's it. As far as I can remember. I guess that's true that it's not, but perhaps that's open to your interpretation as well. Sure. I mean, I, I sort of took it as they tried it with dudes, everybody died. Let's try it with ladies. But in this day and age, you would never try, you like in a military thing like that, you wouldn't do an all dudes. That you, you, you would send the top people, period. You wouldn't be like, no, only dudes can go in. That's not how it works in the military. You'd send your top people in. To do this fucking expedition, any in any case, then okay. po- and look if that's the point, then point out that all the other expeditions were all dudes. They don't do that either, but give me some reason that you're or, or don't mention it, and nobody's thinking about it. Anyway, uh, 
uh, you know, any, I just thought that was an odd thing to, to go out of your way to point out and then just don't point it out. Why are you? Po- I, uh, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, None of this stuff bothered me in the slightest. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, it Well, here's why it bothered me, because it felt like it was supposed to be some anti-sexism statement that mm-hmm. was sexist. It's more sexist that you're pointing out that they're all women right now. I'm not even thinking about that. I don't need you to point that out to me. Anyway, uh, the team is being led by Jennifer Jason Lee, who gives, I mean, this performance, I was like, did she get hit in the head before the movie? I mean, what the fuck was she doing through this whole thing? I'll give you, I'll give you, yeah, and I like her a lot as an actress. Me too. I'll give you, I was not sure what she was doing. Literally every Jennifer Jason Lee line, she'd be like, Gotta go in the shimmer. It's the shimmer. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't see what's happening. Heading over to the shimmer. It was terrible. Yeah. So anyway, th- the backstory here is nobody's come back from this thing alive except for uh, Natalie Portman's character's husband, who's played by Oscar Isaac, and he's deathly sick and internally bleeding and having a hard time existing outside of this thing. But he's the only one that's ever returned. Uh. So here's what they know. We've sent several teams into this weird thing from space. By the way, that that spans. It's like a 20 mile area, yet nobody seems to notice that it's there. You got people managing to get cell phone shots of like Britney Spears vagina as she gets out of a fucking limousine. Yet nobody notices the giant 20 mile radius pink bubble on the Western coast of the fucking country. Just nobody just sees that that's there. Isn't it? Huh? It's in like the woods. Yeah. People go into the woods. People hike. People hunt. I mean, look, I, there's not one part where they're like, look at these people that somehow wandered in here. <laughs> As usual, I can't really argue with any of these points you're making, and yet I didn't care or think about any of them. Here's here's where the real problems start. Okay. These are nitpicky things. All right. The thing, the thing that nobody has ever come back from alive except the one guy who's bleeding to death on the inside. Yeah. Cuts to the new expedition of people going in. Not one helmet, face mask, <laughs> glove. They're just walking into this thing. Now, well, this, they didn't. Know, they hadn't seen the video of the guy with the tentacles in his stomach yet. When they're monitoring Oscar Isaac in the military hospital after he comes back from the shimmer, right. the people monitoring him are wearing hazmat suits. Yeah, that's when true. When the movie opens and they're interviewing Natalie Portman after a return, everybody is wearing hazmat suits and they have it in an isolation chamber. I missed Yet, that scene. But these yeah. four women walk in, no nothing. We're just right. going to walk into this thing. Ridiculous. <laughs> they get in there. Time starts shifting. <clears throat> One of the first things they notice is that basically, like, d- DNA mutates in a strange way out here. And how do they notice this? Because they see things that aren't possible. And how do you know they aren't possible? Because they say that every single time they encounter one of them, uh, even though they just saw, like, a moose with a shark face in the last scene, they'll find, like, a, a branch that has two different flowers on it, and Natalie Portman will be like, it can't be. It's impossible. It's like, you just saw a goddamn walking ta- uh, uh, sea bass. You're, you're, you don't believe this is happening right now? Uh, f- fair. Fair. And all the mutations, correct me if I'm wrong, look like shitty art projects. All right, so you're telling me you were not scared by that wolf scene. You didn't find that very intense and cool. Which wolf? The bear scene in the house? The bear. Oh, sorry, yes, the bear uh, scene. You know, I'm glad you mentioned it. I wrote a couple positives at the bottom of my list here. The one thing was the bear scene ruled. Awesome I thought that scene. scene was awesome. Yeah. But that's not. that doesn't make a good movie. That was a great scene. Okay. Um were well, you? I mean, were you from the jump like this movie sucks, or were you into no, it? No, I was interested to see it. In fact, I said I would tell this story this week, and it's a very short story. I thought the movie started at ten. I got to the theater; it started at eleven. I was already tired. Right. I was so mad that I attempted to go see Red Sparrow instead 
because it started at 10 and I hated Red Sparrow so much that I left and then went to see Annihilation because I was excited to see it and sat up, you know, so so the two the, the two hour experience was a three hour experience. But that's I wanted to see the fucking movie, dude. I didn't want to leave. Uh, as I said, all the mutations inside the shimmer look like bad art projects. It's literally like crystal trees. And then there's like bones in sand. These are all things. I thought all that stuff was cool. These are all things that like uh, your friend that doesn't have a job when they go, <laughs> hey, come see my art installation that I did. And you're yes. like, what is it? They're like, well, we cleared out a blockbuster video and we put bones in sand. And you're like, I don't want to go see this and I have to go see it because otherwise this person might kill themselves. Um, uh, Woo. This friend you're talking about is me, by the way. <laughs> You could have at least changed it from the blockbuster video that I held my exhibit in. Just like the effects, the soundtrack would go from amazing like amazing like synth weird like how do they even think of this to compose this to like the shittiest john denvery acoustic guitar where you're like what is happening right now it doesn't make sense there's no consistent mood here everybody's performance was completely flat except for the one woman that goes crazy right uh and starts trying to kill everybody and ties everybody up in the house that was uh, Jane the Virgin. Uh, then you get to the end of this thing. And there's a video camera in the shimmer. Uh, just conveniently. They just keep conveniently finding video cameras <laughs> throughout the place that where they can watch videos of past expeditions gone wrong. Because right. that's what you do when everything's going horribly wrong is you take videos. Anyway. Uh, they get to the uh, to the to this lighthouse they're trying to get to where this all started. They go in. There's a video camera in there. Uh, Natalie Portman watches the video on it. It's her husband Oscar Isaac, uh, who suddenly now for no reason whatsoever has a deep Southern accent that he's doing. I don't understand what it is. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then he kills himself, and then what you assume is an alien walks from behind the camera and it looks exactly like him because the Oscar Isaac in the real world, folks, isn't actually him. It's a doppelganger, which, you know what? If I hear the fucking word doppelganger one more time in the description of a sci-fi movie, go fuck yourself. I'm tired. That is such a... That is... That plot device is up there with, like, it was... He was the killer the whole time. He was hunting himself. It's it's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, look, here is after much thought, much discussion with my girlfriend after. Here's what I kind of came up with. And then I got into some fan theories that were on similar tracks. I think and I was frustrated by it, too. I was like, the story was kind of not that cool. So I, I think I'm made to create some sort of other meaning to this i thought that was the intent okay mother is a similar kind of let's give this indie guy some big money again see what he can do you like that i hated mother but i will tell you this mother has a very clear metaphor to it it's very clear it's a it's a right. it's, it's 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 a what's it called uh not a parable well mother earth and the bible were two different sort of I mean it's you know it. it's 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 once once you realize that you're like oh okay this right. I don't I didn't now tell me if there's a theory about that with this but well, I, I like an open-ended movie once in a while they don't make them anymore I like movies that make you think I thought everyone was going in there with some serious issue one of the women was suicidal one of them had cancer etc what I took from it was that these women were all extremely depressed, important about the loss of her husband. They go into this thing, and the other women don't want to live. They are suicidal, ultimately. Portman says something about that at the end. She wants uh, 
Portman wants to live. She said she had a reason to. So people that go in there are depressed. Isaacs went in because of the affair. Portman has an affair. That That's what made me start investigating this shit. Okay. I was like, they never mentioned the affair again. What was up with that affair? Right. Um, so I think the news of the affair put him in a place where he was like suicidal. And the movie, to me, how I took it, and this might just be me being depressed all the time, is people trying to break out of depression. So the Jennifer Jason Lee character is like, I'm going to stay in here and just wallow in it, etc. Portman gets out. Isaacs get out. But are they really themselves? You know, are, are, are his depression ruling them? If you look at it through that lens of depression, it's not exactly a perfectly clear narrative there either. No. But I found that I got a lot out of the movie thinking the, about it under those terms. And they're not all depressed. Why is the lesbian woman depressed? They all were given specific backstories about their depression. Because she was like drinking beers and having fun and hitting on Natalie Portman. She must have had some. <clears throat> all right. Well, the one what? They, they, the one lost her baby, right? I mean, like they all had some tragic tale. Maybe so, she's the suicidal one. I don't. I don't remember that. I part, don't remember but. specifics either. But there are. There are. There has to be a reason to me. They have this big affair in the movie to never be mentioned again. There has to be a reason to me that all these women are going in. I didn't think about them all being women so much as they're all going through something very serious and painful. So then, why doesn't Doppelganger for Oscar Isaac come out at the end? Um, that's the healed him. We're all just shells of ourselves I, once we're healed of our emotions. That is exactly how I took that, yes. Uh, I'll tell you this. That doesn't mean that my theory is right. When I did some snooping with the, basically when you Google with the intent of finding what you want, like if you, I, when I typed in um, depression, annihilation, I read some really great articles that articulated what I'm trying to say now better. Um but and then some took what I was thinking a little further. Some differed on what I thought. But I like having a big budget, you know, did relatively well movie that is open ended and makes you think. I, I got no problem with that. That's fine. I have no problem with an open ended movie that makes you think. But at the end of the day, it must be entertaining. And right. this movie was not entertaining. This was film school bullshit, in my opinion. Take it back to film school. You want to go do a bunch of weird visuals and have people turning into light for no apparent reason and right. and weird trees that are shaped like children. Go to fucking film school and and do an existential film class or something like that. All right? Make the goddamn movie entertaining. Ex Machina, to, to a certain extent, was open-ended, and there was things that could be interpreted, and there was yeah. weirdness in that and strangeness. But it was an entertaining movie. There was there was a uh, there were characters you could connect to. You feel bad when the redhead dude gets killed, Captain yeah. General Hux from Star Wars. When he gets killed, you feel bad. You like the Oscar Isaac character in that, and then when he becomes a piece of shit, you hate him. Like you feel bad for the girl. You want her to win, and then she becomes evil, and you're like, "What the fuck?" There's there's something to, to invest in. This movie is is five monotone people walking around in a fucking state park, yeah, uh, looking at things that it looks like a six year old made in an art class, like like a branch that has four different kinds of flowers on it. Right. I, I liked it a good deal less than Ex Mahina. I don't think it was some piece of shit. I thought it was an interesting movie that, to, I'm going to say something to my point and something to your point. I think in the same way as Mulholland Drive where I was like, I have a pretty good grasp on what I think this movie is about. And then you watch it again and then you're like, yes. And it just keeps kind of strengthening what you thought. I think that could happen if I watch Annihilation again. But to your point, Will I do that again? Probably not. Exactly. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I can't even really call it a noble failure because I was pretty entertained by it. I just thought it was a really interesting movie that I wish had been a, a grand slam, but I certainly enjoyed myself while I was watching it and had a great talk afterwards. Whereas a lot of times it's like, let's not talk about that movie we just saw because it made me want to hang myself. Uh, yeah, I was bored to tears. Okay. Uh, 
and I thought it was dumb. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's our show, folks. We're split. We got one hog up, one hog down. Um, Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram and sometimes Twitter. The penthouse column is you let me down. And my apologies to anybody that uh, was planning on coming out to the In Bloom tour that I'd been plugging on here for a while. I had to cancel the whole thing due to a different commitment that came up uh, that was entertainment related. And I will hopefully have some news about that soon uh, that I can actually discuss. But uh, I apologize and uh, we will we will reschedule. So. All right, guys, I'll talk to you later. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't do a couple of these annihilation questions real quick. I found the self-destruction as part of being human theme and annihilation very interesting. What do you guys think about that? The what is it? Self-destruction as part of being human. Those women were all self-destructive, I would say. I mean, Um, yeah, kind of. Sure. Uh, Talk about that bear, please. I've never been so disturbed by a single scene. We did. Why was the team so unprepared to go into the glimmer given that they've spent so much time studying it? Exactly. It's It's a huge fucking... Why did they even have radios and shit knowing that it doesn't work? And why didn't they leave a trail of breadcrumbs or just a very long rope so they don't get lost? I guess what I want is answers, says Mike Garbino. All right. Fair. Your feelings on some of the world getting such a visual movie like Annihilation straight to streaming. I think in Britain and stuff, they went straight to Netflix. That's it's the way the world's going. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. I think it's deeply unfortunate. What do you think of Alex Garland as a writer in general? Seems good. I only know those couple things, but uh, is that the director? Yeah, I think he also did the Beach, which I was not a big fan of, but I didn't the read DiCaprio that DiCaprio thing. Yeah, I didn't read Oof. the book, so yeah. All right. Um, and then why did you ask the Ren and Stimpy guy to do what he did? What ha- What did the Ren and Stimpy guy do? They found out he was flying out fourteen-year-old girls to live with them. Wait, which guy? John Refford's rifles. Oh, okay, not Billy West, not the voice no, guy. No, no, no. The okay, guy who good. Did it? No, I mean not good that it's another somebody. You know what I mean? No. Just that would have been it's very a bad situation. This one was. So not. the guy that created Ren and Stimpy did what? He was flying out girls, saying it was like an animation internship, and then he would, you know, molest them. They were fourteen, sixteen. He had a girlfriend for years who was sixteen, then seventeen, then nobody mentioned it. Jesus Christ. It all sounded pretty dark. A terrible right. way to end the show. Um, I already did my plugs. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh and uh Living Living Biblically is on CBS Monday night, nine thirty, eight thirty. Uh we don't know what we're gonna do next time, but it'll probably be ready player one, which I have seen and Joe has not, so get out there and check it out. See you next time. We'll see you in hell. That was a headgum podcast.